Welcome to the July 11th edition of the PFF Forecast. This is part two of the conversation that we had with Nate Tice. An awesome conversation was so good that we decided to cut it up into two parts because uh, he was with us for like 90 minutes and it just made too much sense. Um, so we hit his quarterback tiers and, and Eric and I did our quarterback tiers um, in the first um, episode uh, with Nate. We went through tiers one through three this starts off with tiers four and five. Honestly, maybe the most interesting part of the quarterback conversation because there's quarterbacks in here that, that teams think they're competing for Super Bowls with. There are young guns that are they going to get extensions? Guys like Kyler Murray, is he should he be thought of as on the precipice of elite? Where are we at with these guys? And Nate breaks down quarterbacks just about as well as anybody out there because well, he, he is a quarterback. He's also uh, the son of Mike Tice. And in this uh, part of the conversation, we get to the Mike Tice stories, which are phenomenal. We also have Russell Wilson stories because Nate backed up Russ at Wisconsin. And we closed it out with some recommendations. So it is a fantastic closeout to an awesome conversation with Nate Tice. If you didn't listen to part one, that of course has tiers one through three of our quarterback tiers. Go check it out. Plus um, a bunch of offensive conversation. We talked about the Rams, talked about the Niners, uh, his top offensive play callers. So if you didn't listen to that, go check it out. But this is part two with Nate Tice. Let's rock. Nate, something pretty important I got to tell you guys about um, because fantasy football season, it, it's here. If you didn't think it was here yet, um, maybe just go check out Twitter or text your friends or <laughs> I guarantee you they're thinking about it. And we've got you guys covered because we are giving you an opportunity to get a PFF subscription for 40% off. Any subscription you want, promo code is SAVE40, S-A-V-E 40. And you can get any PFF subscription for 40% off. That means the following can be yours for just $5.99 with a PFF Edge subscription on the monthly option. $5.99. You can get the Fantasy Football Draft Guide complete with all player rankings and projections from all of our awesome analysts, Ian Harditz, Kevin Cole, Nathan Yankee, who was third in Fantasy Pros rankings and 11th out of 186 in draft rankings last year. The College Football Preview Magazine and the first edition of the 2022 NFL Draft Guide. That's right. It's 2021. Our NFL Draft Guide is already out, plus all of PFF's art, uh, locked article content for $5.99 a month with promo code SAVE40. I can't tell you what a good deal that is. I, I might go buy one myself just to make sure that I take advantage of the deal. Uh, now I'm being really corny, but you get the idea. Go check it out, pff.com, SAVE40. And go to symbol, symbol.app slash PFF, use promo code PFF. And if you deposit 10 bucks, you can get a free year of PFF Edge um, by depositing $10. It's basically a stock market for sports. It's awesome. It's a ton of fun. You earn cash uh, with the wins that your teams accrue, plus you can buy and, and sell their stocks. So go to symbol.app slash PFF and use promo code PFF at symbol, S-A-M-B-U-L-L, and take advantage of that fun platform, plus get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. And now it is time for part two with Nate Tux. My next tier... Um, is my big one where I go Tannehill, Baker, Cousins, who I feel like are all like weirdly <laughs> Spider-Man's pointing at each other. <laughs> you are, man. It's, it's so like, funny. give me a great coach. Let's run bootleg play action. I I'll throw it downfield. Like, I I spent time watching these guys going like, all right, get definitive answer, Nate. Let's watch them and you're ranking them. And I watch them. I'm like, they're all the same to me. <laughs> they, yeah. all have their, they all have this one, two glaring negatives that they have and they just can't, and they hit an age where it's like, okay, they are what they are. And then, but they do enough good stuff. You're like, you can't quit them completely. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure Eric knows being a cousin or a Vikings fan watching cousins a little bit. I, it's um, it, it's kind of maddening. So I have those three guys and then I have Stafford and I like go back and forth, like, on Stafford, because I do think, you know, there is a chance, you know, we like he's been mired down, but he has had good weapons in Detroit, you know, so I'm not one of those guys that thinks like all of a sudden he's getting this. It's not like going from golf Fisher to golf with mixed hay. Like, yeah. you know, I think some people are, are prescribing. Um, and then I, I continue to go kind of down the list. So then I have Derek Carr. 
Um, then I have Matt Ryan. I think, I do think there's some data out there that says Matt Ryan's arm is not, you know, as great, um, as you know, we'd want it to be. Um, and I include the young guys in this tier who I think on any given game, when I see Kyler Murray versus Ryan Tannehill, like, yeah, there's a little bit of an edge to Ryan Tannehill, but it's not enough for me to go there in a different tier. So I go Kyler Murray. Um, I'm, and then I'm going to tag on to the end of that the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert group, because I think both those guys are, you know, are right there. It's really close. So I have a really big, that next tier is really big for me. And um, that's where I think you go from, I have hope to the next tier where it's like, I'm, uh, I'm going to start reading some draft guide stuff in uh, October. Yeah, I think every good. single smart football person we've had on here, including Nate, like Stafford. Right? That, that's the one thing that I hate about my Stafford opinion, which is like, look, because on one hand, that he's taken the dog ass Detroit Lions to like three winning seasons, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. But like he also gets a lot of offensive coordinators fired. And it's like, how do you deal with that? But I know I, every I, single. And I would never been like a guy that's been like, oh, I'm Stafford all the way either. It's just one of the, you can't quit him because he's yeah, just like, he it's, does weird, those, like it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because yeah. he has those, those series. He'll have a whole half where it's like, this guy might be a top three quarterback like right now. And then he'll mm-hmm. look like you don't even, you want to bench him. Like you're, and like, he, sh- uh, he shapes up like when they fired Mike Lombardi and then went to Jim Bob Cooter. He's like, all right, I'm, it's time to play well again. And then he does for like half a year and then they like, they go to hell and then he gets, he gets beveled. He's like, all right, time to be the CPOE King for a half a year. And then like, and it's like, can he just, can he just do it once? Can he put it together once? And this is to me, like, this is the definitive thing. Like we're going to know. um, And we're going to, we're going to know quickly with him. I think my, my tier four, these are guys that can be playoff quarterbacks. I don't think they can win. I also think they can be complete. They can, I mean, they can asymptote to zero so quickly. It's, it's crazy. I have Winston, Fitzpatrick, Goff, Wentz, Newton, Roethlisberger. And here's somebody who's at the top of the tier, but after listening to Nate, I might want to put him higher. I just don't think he hits enough doubles is Kyler Murray. Like, I don't think Murray, maybe it's a product of the offense. I just think if Murray peppered the 10 to 19 area, like he'd be an elite quarterback. It's just like I see too much of the short stuff. I see him being very good on the deep stuff. He needs to hit doubles, and I just I don't see it yet. That's so, no, I I'm with you on that because, and I'm talking about I'm going to knock Cliff for it. I think it's an it's a scheme issue as opposed to it's mm-hmm. a, a can or won't, won't issue. It's that he's not you know it's not that he won't be able to do it. It's just that they don't ask him to do it too much. They just run. When they started last year and they had DeAndre Hopkins there and what they were doing with all the stuff, they just isoballed DeAndre. Hey, you run your one-man route, and then the other three, we're going to run some combos. And it was like, it looked good. It was like, okay, all right. And I was actually – I was like, all right, maybe Cliff's got it. He's, you know, he's honing in on what he runs in the NFL. The problem was Cliff never changed it the rest of the year. <laughs> he just ran the same stuff. And the problem with that, it was all it was a lot of quick game and a lot of quick game or it was a shot play where it was a big post and over big, I mean, not, not just the Rams Titans ones where it's more of that intermediate range, you know, it's the big ones, the big cross country routes. And I think that's where it's more like, maybe he just wasn't, they never ran it. Like, and that's, I, I want to see it. So I'm with you. I, I agree with that negative. I want to see him run, hit some more doubles as well. Um, I, I do think when he has been asked to do it, he can do it. It's just, it's once a game, you know, or three times a game, as opposed to maybe, you know, I I'm picturing in my head seam balls or, or, or basic digs, you know, just like that kind of hit that range. I think he can do it. Like that was a negative with Russ for a while. and still a little mm-hmm. bit. He, that zero to six yard range, that's where the height comes in. Mm-hmm. It's not getting the balls batted down. It's because at quarterback position, you really have to anticipate so much and not just anticipate throwing it out there, but like, you're picturing, you're not going, or like you're close, you're really closing your eyes a little bit, not literally, but in your brain, I don't see exactly what's going on, but I assume this is going on. Mm-hmm. And when you're me at six, five, sometimes I had to do that. I can only imagine being five eleven mm-hmm. or five ten, and Kyler say it and having to do that. So that's what I'm curious is to see, uh, uh, to see Eric is that, or maybe I'm wrong and maybe he can't do it. Maybe that's where Cliff was going. Like, I don't want to run it because he can't throw those. <laughs> so that's like another thing you have to figure out sometimes. Yeah, there was a great uh, there was a great part in uh, Mike Holmgren's a football life where Steve Young said, Mike Holmgren taught me how to throw things I wasn't seeing. 
And he yeah. said, you know, I was early in his career, he had to see the receiver open to throw it. And, and, you know, the good, the good coach makes you so confident in the scheme that you'll throw it without having to see it. And I think that's a, yeah. that's a really good way to put it because even at six foot, whatever young was, he had to learn how to do it. And I think for, for shorter quarterbacks, it's certainly like a feel thing. You wonder with, with Wilson, with the new OC, Kyler, like hearing folks a little bit uh, dowdy on, on uh, cliff, like, does that ever happen? Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. Well, another thing too uh, is like what you're saying with anticipation and all that. And, and just like picturing those types of things is like when you're throwing it, <laughs> when you throw it, you're, you're, that's why man coverage sometimes is easier to beat because all right, I know this guy's guarding my slot with outside leverage. Okay. I'm running this route. I could beat it. That's why maybe sometimes Russell struggles against, you know, too high coverages, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I don't know how these guys are passing things off. So I think that's where some of that comes in too, is that it's, if you run man against them, okay, I know this guy's getting covered man. I just got to throw it to this spot, but as opposed to zone, it's like, well, I don't know if that will is going to fall off. I don't know if that safety is going to drive down. Like, and I think sometimes where these guys in that intermediate range that don't have full faith, like you said, where Steve Young, he was like, you have to throw to a spot. If you throw a seam ball, there are so many arms in the way <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. like, and that, that's why some guys I could just rip it. It's like, Holy crap. Like that's an underappreciated throw. Those little 16 to 20 yard seam balls. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like, you have to anticipate, you have to throw it on the line, but also anticipate it. And then also you have to assume that no one's going to fuck up your throw <laughs> and you really hope that doesn't happen. No, it, it's um, fast. We've talked about this with Kyler. I mean, the intermediate range, you know, the place that I always think of like Brady and Rogers, like own this area, Drew Brees always owned it. Um, that 10 to 19 range, 72 pass rating last year. I mean, like abysmally below, mm-hmm. um, you know, average. And it speaks to everything that you're saying where it's like 20 plus. Yeah. When I just like launch, just like drop back and let it go. Yep. Like he has, his accuracy is awesome. He's not inaccurate. Um, and it'll be really fascinating to see, you know, whether that actually materialized. I was going to ask you this, like, so is it, it really seems that the scheme is so important from a, okay, I have to trust it perspective, especially in that intermediate area. Will that, is that going, getting back to Stafford and McVay? Like, is that where, is that where, not take the next step, but like, is that where like the Stafford, like MVP thing comes from where it's like, okay, he's never had an offensive court. He's always been the smartest guy in the room or whatever, you know, like, has he ever had someone that allows him to trust it that way? Is that kind of what you're seeing? I think it's more that he's actually willing to push it where, where Goff was going like, so, so on those types of concepts that the Rams love, uh, uh, the deep, the post mm-hmm. is usually an alert. It's not number one on your read. When you get it, the drawing on it, it'll say alert, and then the over will have the number one. So technically, that's mm-hmm. the first read, and you alert the over because you're like, or alert the post because you're like, I like that, or I like Brandon Cooks, or I like you know Deshaun Jackson on this deep post. Uh, I guess what they might be quarters, and I just see something, and it goes one to two. I think the frustration that McVay had was Goff just never alerted the alert. It was just always, I'm going to one to two to check down, one to two to check down. And you weren't getting any of that explosiveness that like in the 2018 offense, um, like I, I rewatched that Chiefs game and one other game the other day. And like, you forget all those gashes to Brandon Cooks, all those like benders and the, and the, the glance routes and the posts mm-hmm. and, and coming on the over because they were hitting that. Now Robert Woods is catching the 20 yard over because that takes the top off the defense. That's where literally the top's coming off now because mm-hmm. the post is getting hit. Everything opens up. So I think with Stafford, where the excitement comes from is he can make those intermediate throws that Goff can make. He can do them just as well. He can drop back and throw a stick. He can do all the mm-hmm. basic stuff that McVay does. He's now going to crank it up to 11. I think where Goff stayed at seven or eight, he'd stay in third gear a little bit, maybe go to fourth gear, but he'd never push it to fifth gear in that offense. He just doesn't have that in him. I think now Stafford is going to let it rip for better, for worse. And I think that's maybe, and also have a run game around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Stafford, how many, how many years? Did, I mean, he had like 40 games where they didn't have a hundred yard rusher. I know that's not everything, but like the fact that they had no run game whatsoever now going to an offense that's more or less based around that and all the passes off of that. I think that's where some of the optimism comes with Stafford. It's like, okay, he can make those other throws, but now he's going to throw it deep five, six times, as opposed to once that golf would do it. And golf would throw some of those with like his eyes closed. Like he would just throw it in double coverage. Like hopefully he goes, make a play. Stafford actually has that arm strength to kind of go like wait on it and see a good look and then let it rip. So I think that's where 
some of the you know MVP hype is coming from mm-hmm. us with that, which is funny because yeah. that's a spoiler for for later. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> we're gonna get into. I have one last uh, offensive question. We're gonna get into some of the bets at the the Stafford did MVP we, stuff. Did, oh, my tier four. Did Nate do his fourth tier? Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll, I'll rattle it off because you guys nailed, nailed some points. But um, t- tier four, I got that that little trio that you guys are or quadrant, I should say. Tannehill, Carr, Cousins, Baker. <laughs> yeah. and then, I mean, and then I went. I go Burrow, and then I went uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then I, I wow. uh, put and then I put Cam Newton at the end of my tier four. Oh, interesting. Um, yep. And I think I, I'm I'm I think Trevor Lawrence truly is a generational guy. So I'm very excited to see him. It well, you guys are both play. tall, so you like yeah, are bound tall, by that. Yeah, long arms. Yeah, yeah. It's a six four club. Actually, he's even taller than me. The the uh, but like you guys have pointed out, Tannehill, Carr, Cousins, Baker. It's kind of that you're kind of saying the same thing with all of them. It's the Spider-Man meme. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Tannehill at one. Yeah, he's not going to be the guy to get you a bucket. I just like standing tall in the pocket and delivering. I'm a sucker for that old school quarterback type. Um, he's a good enough athlete where he can scramble, but he's not going to be juking guys. But mm-hmm. I do appreciate that with him. Uh, Derek had a better year than I think even some people realized last year. Um, that that Raiders, I mean, Gruden has his negatives, but he can put together an offense. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's fun to watch. It really is. It, it, Derek just, you know, he still has the same negatives. He's not going to push it deep. He's not always going to scramble. Like he, he just doesn't like to tuck and run. It's just not his game. Um, and so I think that's what he is, but he's still in this kind of tier four cousins, kind of the same thing. He has those mm-hmm. blow up moments. Like, uh, yeah, cousins is cousins. We'll have moments of brilliance where you're just like, Holy crap, this guy's amazing. But then he'll have two games where it's like, he's not, not completing anything. Um, Burrow, uh, Baker, I'm a little, I've hedged a little bit on Baker a little bit. Um, I think some of his actually, so my, the joke I've made before is Baker is Russell without the athleticism. Um, yeah, I, I, like I think he has some of the law, the negatives that Russell has where he's one number one read and then scrambles and he always boots to his right, always scrambles to his right. It's like the quarterback in, um, what was that show on, uh, playmakers on ESPN? Oh yeah. Great show. An incredible show. <laughs> Baker's like that. He bats the ball twice when he's scrambling, you know, bats it once when he's throwing yeah. the same thing. But, uh, I think well, that's Emmanuel Lacho was thinking about the running back who was coked out. That's right. And wondering where the line was. <laughs> That's right. What a Sorry. show. What a show. <laughs> oh, what an incredible scary. combination of like 20 years yeah. ago and right now. Right now. We tied it. That was with the Where's the line? Right I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Double the on javelin coming. The javelin coming in from the oh. guy smoking weed outside of the stadium. <laughs> that was that was oh my god. That I read a whole nother podcast on that whole thing. That was, that was just, Burrow. that was such entertainment for the weekend, but uh, yeah, back to those guys. Oh, and then Burrow, Burrow, talk about another Chad Pennington comparison is my comparison for Burrow was I called him Dak Pennington because he's big and athletic like Dak, but then he has arm, arm and accuracy like Chad, Chad Pennington. And I, I like Burrow, but I just think his upside is limited um, uh, as far as being that elite elite tier. Like we've talked about that tier one, tier two, but I think there's going to be a lot of year, years where Burrow's in that tier three, you know, where he is just, mm-hmm. you know, he's that good quarterback, but he needs a little bit of help around him. But he's a, a good because he can do enough. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I already talked about. And then I, I, I'm not down on Cam as some people are. Um, I think they just, they had crap around him last year. <laughs> and I think, they, I mean, that thing was like gum, you know, gum and shoestring just trying to get to 20 points for that team. Yep. The crap was so bad around him that Tom so Brady, people thought Tom Brady was washed. And then Tom Brady turned into Superman when he went somewhere oh with decent weather and good weapons. Oh yeah. Where he doesn't have to worry about weather and like all of a sudden uh, he's like, he can just chuck it and not get yelled at if you, yeah. <laughs> you know, he does the stuff, but no, it's dead serious going from the Keel Harry to, you know, all of a sudden I got two mm-hmm. legitimate all pro receivers and a, like Antonio Brown is my three. And it's like all three of their tight ends are like legitimate number one tight ends. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's in a, in a good old line. Yeah. That, that helps a lot. So you think, I mean, cause the interesting thing about cam is it always feels, you know, and I, I'm deferring to you obviously on this, but like, it always feels like the mechanics just like, it like it, it like starts i don't know what the best i'm searching for an analogy here it's like someone that like just gets off to a really nice start in something and like you just know like 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes in whenever it is like that point it's like the guy you know who like can drink eight beers but the ninth beer it's like fuck this shit's going his, his seasons hell. are 400 like meter whole, dashes he's laboring yeah. at the end yeah it's like, it's like what happened like all of a sudden it's like i'm off the back foot i'm uncorking i've got it's a funny. like broken fibula like all this stuff it's weird when you have, he has really, he has long arms, 
but he also has, and I actually can relate to this a little bit. And so a friend pointed this out to me and now I can't unsee it. He has long forearms. And I think some of that weird, the long release comes uh-huh. from that. And I, I never noticed it until someone pointed it out. And it was just like, oh my God, you're right. Uh, Kellen Mond has, has a similar thing uh, where he has, that's why I noticed it. And then it went from there. And another quarterback that had it was Achilles Smith. I'm not saying Kellen Mond's Achilles Smith, but same, same type of thing. Uh, but with Cam, it's just that long, 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 long release. And mm. he had the arm strength to always overcome it. So I think what, what happens with sometimes when a lot of coaches is go, all right, you're getting, get it done. Like, I'm not going to tweak anything. Even mm-hmm. though I always thought he sailed balls, his mechanics are, once you hit, I mean, really once you hit 22, 24, like your mechanics are your mechanics. We, you, you can improve your footwork a little bit and you can improve your mental processing to get the ball out quicker, which is, I think everyone wants to talk about Josh Allen and changing his arm slot and everything. I think it's just because the game got slower for him mentally. And also now he can anticipate throws as opposed to being late, just rocketing it in there. Mm -hmm. That's where, that's why it looks so much better because he's calm as opposed to going like, Oh shit, (laughs) I got to get that in there. And I think with cam cam is permanently on that. Oh shit. Like he knows, but he locks in his receiver. He has such a strong arm that he waits an extra half second. It was like Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. Remember Byron throwing? You know, he would, yep. had that long release too. His was even more crazy. But it, it was just like that. And it's just like he got, he got, he's gotten away with it for so long. And it comes unraveled because he starts getting banged up. He starts taking hits. When you have a long release like that, you're going to take a lot more hits. And that's all fine and good when you're 24. But I think now it's when he gets, he gets maybe rocked. It's like, I'm not bouncing up from that as quick as I was five years ago. And I think those just start to add up. I think it's just the human element. It was sort um, of like with Leftwich, Leftwich had such a long, but he didn't have the athleticism, right? Like there was, it was why like RG3 could do so well in year one because mm-hmm. linebackers are so scared shitless yep. that like yep. they don't move on, that they're so slow that your arm delivery doesn't matter. I think with Cam's yep. running ability, that that did it for a long time. It, it's they they have the get jail get out get out of jail free card. Yeah. If you have legs, that's what that does. It just you could have the best defense dialed up, best pressure, and a quarterback could just scramble for a first down. Yeah. Like that is what that does, and that's why not just in fantasy but in real life, like why that helps. I think more more of these quarterbacks coming through, even the Justin Herbert of the world of the world, are getting they're so big and athletic. <laughs> it's it's yeah. become insane how big and athletic these guys and are. The floor, it's, the, it's a prerequisite. The floor, the floor for like their ability to throw has it's like past where the roof was before with athletic quarterbacks i yep. feel like you know it's yes. like everyone kind of has um you know there's all this arm talent out there um offenses are better schemed as well you know yep. like with the passing game in mind so i think all those things play into it um eric do you still have a tier to go i've completely lost track i'm, I'm all the, done we're all, all done. i think we're good with tiers. We can close the book on we're the tiers. Out. we can get the we can we can get the fun stories and the, the questions the tiers are t-i-e uh, RS are done. And now it's time for the people's tears to then flow based on whichever quarterback nice. we hated the most. Um, nice. So we are going to do a couple of things um, uh, quickly. We are a betting podcast and Nate, you're in Las Vegas. And yeah. so we have to talk about this. I've been very excited. Um, give us some of the things that um, you have bet on futures, even if it's something that you haven't bet on yet, but you're like, Hey, this is kind of a thesis I have. Uh, I want to hear it. Okay, so one, uh, I'll go knock out a couple that I have bet on already. Uh, one is Patriots to win the AFC East at Ooh. plus plus three fifty. I think uh, I think the defense is going to kick back. I think last year was just I honestly I think Belichick just kind of redshirted last year mm-hmm. uh, with everybody. Um, the O line is legitimately very good. Uh, they in the sense they have no real weaknesses. They might not have a lot of stars, but it's more every player's good, which is. Mm-hmm. No, you don't really get that much in these days. I think Cam, like I said, is a little better than people gave him credit for. I'm a big fan of Kedrick Bourne, the receiver they, they signed. Mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar, I know that it's kind of a weird signings, like, you know, in the sense how they pay and everything, but I do like the synergy that they're going to bring. I mean, he was a nice little corporate buzzword there. Yeah, um, and then also, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and also, uh, you know, the tight ends, you know, with the John New Smith and, and Hunter Henry. And I just... I can kind of picture what they're trying to do now. And I, I, I like it. And also just getting value here, plus 350. They can get the Patriots at that. I think the Bills might get a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of regression. I think they got a little lucky sometimes with some of the offensive stuff they did last year. I think the Dolphins, I don't think Tua 
we didn't even mention Tua yet yeah. in this podcast, which is saying something. So, you yeah. know, we did that whole tiers. We knocked out 15 to 20 quarterbacks and none of us mentioned Tua. So that kind of tells you my feelings on the Dolphins as well. Um, so I just think I like the value. Patriots uh, at plus 350. Um, I also have the Rams AFC, or MC West at plus 190. Um, uh, that is just it's a pick them really. I think the MC West is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to watch. That was just more, Hey, this is, you know, it's better than even money. I would put a little mm-hmm. taste on that. I've quitty pay a defensive rookie of the year at 10 to one. Um, I think he got kind of stuck in Michigan and a, a, you know, read and react scheme where he's going to benefit from just going, just pinning mm-hmm. his ears, ears back and going. And I think you maybe surprise some people with some sacks. That's more, you know, a little value pick there as well. I, I think he was maybe about the fourth or fifth favorite. Um, what else do I have? I have Calvin Ridley to leave in re- lead in receiving yards at plus 1,000. Uh, I think Calvin is an elite receiver. Uh, studying him back and going through going through some of these guys I watched this offseason, he, he's incredible. He's a really, really good player. Um, I think just the situation they have in Atlanta where they might be a little leaky on defense, weird. Mm-hmm. How many years have we said that now? Yeah. Um, so I think in being in that Arthur Smith offense, there's going to be a lot of explosive play generate generated. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a nice fit there where you can, you know, maybe get one there. Um, well, we got, we can keep going here. We got, well, uh, I was gonna, I, while, while you're yeah. picking out the next ones, I was going to say, you know, that the Tua thing is so interesting because you mentioned Cam in that tier, not talking about Tua. And going, yeah, like the quarterback matters like a hell of a lot, you know. <laughs> and if, like, if there is a little bit of regression from the Bills' standpoint, maybe we've been thinking about the Dolphins, Brian Flores, and all. They, look, they put together a receiving. And floor I that, love Flores. I, I I think Flores is a great coach, by the way. Sorry, to but he can't drop it. back and play quarterback, Correct. you know. And like, so like, ultimately, you know, I, I do think that's really fascinating. And then I'm sure Eric will mention was going to mention this, but like the Calvin Ridley one, like. You know, he still is he still first in receiving yards in our projections, Eric? Like that just feels That's a good like incredible value. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I was pretty. I know. I was pretty excited to see that ten to one. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I was. Yeah, that, that one I had a little taste on. Um, yeah, no, I, I especially with with Tua. I, I originally he had his breakout game against Arizona, and I was like, okay, you're a little. I was a little lower on him coming out, and mm-hmm. I was before I kind of had any platform. It was just me tweeting the. 2000 people. So it was, <laughs> you know, no one even, it was not too much when I was talking about it, but it's kind of like, I feel like his upside's Alex Smith. And it's like, that's, mm. that's it. He's a lefty Alex Smith. And I, I have to see more because I, uh, we're talking about the can't and won't thing. Mm-hmm. He was such a fast processor. And I was just always like, is that good or bad? Is that a, a is that a, you know, is that a good part of the system or is that a bug? You know, mm-hmm. is that a future mm-hmm. or a bug? And so I want to, I have to see him this next year before I really, I mean, all, all of us do, but it's like, man, you know, it's got a little worrisome, like how quick he was to that. And the fact that they just went, nope, we're putting Fitzpatrick in. Like the fact they did that was like, it's a little scary. <laughs> you know, it's a little, mm-hmm. little, little, little worrisome. You got to just read in between the lines. Um, I also have uh, Dak to lead in passing yards at plus 500. Um, just same thing. I'm talking about Calvin mm-hmm. a little bit. I, 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 he was on pace to, I mean, I know that's just the situation. Yeah. yeah. The game scripts they were in last year, but um, I think same kind of things. I think the defense will be a little leaky. I think that offense could be so explosive. Um, so that was another one. Um, I also have Dak MVP at plus 1700. Uh, just narrative thing. Uh, I, MVP votes. I think you just have to take a shot and just hope it's some mm-hmm. narrative guy. Um, that's why I have Stafford at plus 1600 as well. Same thing. Not that I think they're going to be that true MVP quarterback. Maybe Dak is a little bit because Mahomes is always should be getting it every year. Um, but it's like, I, I think just narrative wise, I could see that kind of building a little bit. Cowboys have a big year. You have the Cowboys, mm-hmm. you get the Dallas pump a little bit. Stafford, we've talked about, I mean, you guys were already have mentioned it, the narrative that's already swelled this off season. Now imagine a full season. If the Rams storm, storm the NFL a little bit, you just never know with those guys. Um, then rookie of the year, I have Trey Lance offensive rookie year plus 600. Ooh. I think a quarterback in a Shanahan offense, you're going to always just have to maybe take a peek at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also just, again, trying to give value a little bit. Uh, does that more. one, does that one feel, <laughs> um, so by the way, I was going to say like, it's funny, the narratives with Dak and Stafford. I, so one of my favorite bets is, is Brady plus 1600 uh, to win MVP. That's great. And too. like, I just, he was so good <laughs> since the buy, you know, like, and all yep. those guys are coming back. And, and no one's really talking about him in that respect. But when you're getting all this hype pre-season, like it's easy to fall short of those mm-hmm. as opposed to like 
over, you know, just like over the top deliver, you know, and, and I worry about that with the Rams. Like everyone thinks they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. It's like, well, okay, but if like one injury happens, they're such a thin team, you know, what happens yeah. there. And with the Cowboys, what's so fascinating to me is the way the media treats them. Like, I think that you, like Dak has a great head on his shoulders, but get up leads with what, what he ate for breakfast every morning. <laughs> it's yeah. like insane. And like, that just yeah. makes it harder. Um, for, for him, I, I was going to ask you about the Trey Lance thing with Shanahan. When I was listening to your podcast uh, about um, defensive schemes and talking about like, okay, everyone's trying to stop the Shanahan offense. And I, to me, the Trey Lance pick solidified the fact that Shanahan is like, I got to do something more. Yep. You know, I, I can't just keep like running this same thing back, even if I have really creative motions and this run scheme and like all the stuff. It's like, I got to have another X factor that I can bring into it. Um, and I'm curious what you think that looks like. Absolutely. He, he, I think the last couple of years he was like, all right, I have this quarterback that, yeah, he's efficient. He's accurate. He's doing what kind of what I want him to do. He doesn't push the ball down the field and he doesn't create. So what did he do? He went and got a quarterback that could push it down the field <laughs> and could create mm -hmm. and it could stand strong in the pocket. That's, it's been a knock on Jimmy G since he came out of college. Like even when he was at Eastern Illinois is that he doesn't have presence in the pocket. Like he mm -hmm. is, he, his eyes come down. And it's, I, I don't ever want to call a guy soft because it's not, he's not soft. It's just that some guys do, some guys go to one read and they go, they feel the pressure, they curl up and they take the hit. Guys are just, some guys are just like that. Some guys are willing to stand there, boom, take it full blast. I'm not recommending that for anybody, but <laughs> I think that's what Kyle was just kind of like, Hey, I, I, I like what this guy can do. Um, I, Trey Lance was one of the most fun watches, surprisingly fun watches in the sense that I thought you'd just be a big athlete. I actually compared him to Donovan McNabb, um, not just because he wore number five and wore green and yellow or wore green, yeah. but it's his over-the-top delivery, how big he is, but I didn't realize how cerebral he, he was going to be. And that was something that shocked me when I watched him. I saw him pointing out protections and point and pointing out blitzes and change, sliding stuff. And then it came out where coaches confirmed that and said, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what we do with him. Mm -hmm. And I think Kyle met the kid and was just like, oh, yeah, I like that. Like I, this guy knows football and going with, and we talked to touch on it before the kind of wishbone offense that Shane hands kind of leaned into this last year and a half. Um, I think he's going for more guys that can just do a little bit of everything. The Debo Samuels, the Iukes, the juice checks, even, even, you know, Kittle a little bit in the sense where I can line up. I have my five skill guys on every snap. I can line them up everywhere, but now I have that plus a quarterback that can run. So every snap of the ball, the defense has to go, well, we have to guard all six guys. Like it's like a true, mm -hmm. almost like motion offense in basketball. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really what he, I think he just like, was like, he tweaked it a little bit last year. He was like, this kind of, I, I don't think he would openly said this, but he's like, this is kind of a wasted year. And I think he, all of a sudden he just went, okay, now I'm leaning all the way into it. And I think once he gets Lance in there and they're running almost these triple option, -y kind of things or not true triple option, but more jet sweep with zone coming back and counter mm -hmm. coming back. I think it's gonna be really cool stuff to watch. No, I'm, I, I look, I'm excited. I, I am curious. What, if you had to pick a week where Trey Lance finally starts, what would it be? I think week one, I think he, I think he goes right into it. I, I think by the end of camp, I, I think that's what happens. I, I think it's like week one of camp. No. And then they get into the week three preseason game and they announce it. Like I, I, I can, I could see that picture that happening. There, that's one of the reasons why I like Trey Sermon for the same yeah. award because I think if Lance only starts like 10, 11 games, he could very well win it. But I think Sermon has the potential to succeed in that offense in much the same way that you're talking about. And, and yeah, that, that, that I think that's a good shot. If he plays all 17 games, I mean, of the quarterbacks, he's the front runner. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah, I no, I agree. And that's the thing is I, I just don't think the Jags would be good enough. Lawrence might have a kind of a, one of those 24 touchdown, 12 interception year, 14 interception year, kind of like a skewy stat line year where he's kind of gauging the NFL. Um, and I could just see Trey Lance being on a winning team and getting that yep. kind of that, that easiest schedule field. in the NFL, the Niners, yeah. one yeah. of the easiest schedules in the NFL. So. And you can just see it happening and people, there's going to be eyes on them. I mean, it's the 49ers. Like, so it's just, you got putting those puzzle pieces together. Yeah. They have five, they have the maximum number of primetime games, which is shocking. They also brought back the 94 Super Bowl Reds. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't, Hey, Look, that's can we not get me too excited for the year. Like it's just going to somehow it's going to crash and burn. And I just, <laughs> would like to live in in bliss for another you know well, few months or so you're gonna love um, my, ne my next bet then it's nick bosa defense player of the year 11 i like that 
I I think he talked about narrative. I think people have forgotten about Nick Bosa for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still a freak, and uh, he's gonna he it was an early injury, which always helps. So I think he can play the whole seventeen games and and come back rip roaring. And like you said, five national TV games like that 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 stuff does matter. Yeah. It just it, it's it does like because people just tout that. I mean we. I'm talking about the Chiefs Rams game from two years ago because it's Nike. I mean, yeah, it mattered because those are two mm-hmm. awesome offenses and stuff, but it's like those matter when you watch those Nike. If he gets like a three sack game and a primetime game, like, or especially one of the early ones, he's like the favorite right away. Like, yep. You yeah, know. He just needs one more in week like 15. And then, yeah, because like, okay, no, one, no one knows what's happening on the defensive side of the ball, like elsewhere in the league, too. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, Aaron Donald was literally eating people for lunch for like four <laughs> years and no one knew who he was. I remember like one year, I was like, is the best defensive player a guy on a four and 12 team who plays defensive tackles? Like, yeah, he yeah. you know, he like, is. No one's seen him play football before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. That's, isn't it funny how that works, though? It's like certain positions, it's like, no, this guy's really good. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. And that's actually, <laughs> if you wanted to like take a real, shot in the dark or take a home run swing at defensive player of the year. I would say Brian Burns, um, who was like, I heard that. I love that. Like, I think he was like, I think with the one I saw, he was 42 or 45 to one somewhere around there, but that's about the range you're getting. You're the second person to come on the podcast and say that. Yeah. That's very good. Another guy though. That's like, even I was a fan and like hit rewatching him. I'm like, this guy's incredible. And I think it's just, it's, it's a year. There's that year delay. It's like Mm -hmm. people in the know, know it. Then other people know it. And then the national, everybody else knows it about a year after everybody else. Like that's kind of the catch up. So it might be yep. next year, Brian Burns might be the bad, but I think this year you might have that kind of upper tier play. And then I have two uh, win total bets. I have Jets over six and a half wins. Hmm. Um, I, 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 I like what they're doing on offense. You I, and think Eric. Joe, I think Joe Douglas has done some nice things. I really yep. do. I'm a bigger fan of Salah um, after this past season than the Super Bowl season. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this on the podcast. I thought the Super Bowl year, I was like, oh, that's easy. Just get an awesome D-line and, you know, yeah. wreck shit. Like, that's easy. Just run single high behind it. This past year when he had some injuries, he tweaked how the defense played. And I was like, okay, this guy can coach. And I know the energy. I know that all the players love him, but that only goes so far. But the fact that he can back it up with some scheme stuff, I was like, I like you a little more than I did. Um, and I just, I like what they're doing, some of the offensive pieces. And, and I just, I just like it. Yeah, I really do. And then the other one is under six and a half wins for the Eagles at uh, plus 120. And I'm, uh, that. I, yeah, I think Eagles are a little, a uh, little rough on the roster. The Eagles um, might have the number one overall pick this year. Let's just say it. Let's just, let's I, just be, uh, let's just say so it. We, we did our, our show. We did another one of like our draft shows, I guess. And it was like, kind of like, uh, who has the worst roster and Texans were kind of like, yeah, the easy one. But then it was like non-Texans category and Eagles was like my easy. I I just, everyone over all their best players are over 30 and like broken down Mm -hmm. or in all the, and they missed out about what, four or five draft classes of like any players like that, Mm -hmm. that, that matters. Um, I mean, it does. I, as I'm a huge fan of Devontae Smith, I really am. I I think he's, I, I, he was my number one receiver coming to this draft, but it's like, that's a receiver. It's not not a quarterback, you know, that you're really excited about the rookie uh, uh, being a rookie. Yeah, they um they're gonna have the Oklahoma uh, quarterback room in a in a year. They're gonna get Rattler in. And Rattler. Hurts. They they can find. I really like so that this gets this will this will be a nice way to close our our betting portion here. Is I really like Sirianni to be first coach fired, um, and it aligns up with this, which is like. He can't have been your first, second, or third choice. <laughs> There's just no fucking way. And they're going to be bad. And it's like, why not get ahead of like sending, you know, great things to other coaches that we want to yeah. hire as houses? <laughs> like, yep. let's just get on, you know, let's like start shipping out gold Recruit early. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. go up to Oklahoma. Let's like send everyone to Oklahoma. Let's buy some houses around, you know, the Oklahoma campus and let's just shovel in gold coins and bitcoins, whatever it takes, you know, to get. <laughs> and get them over there. Um, or just like going over to these campuses and throwing Bitcoin wallets. At well, now that now that you know the NIL, the NIL is is passed, like you can do anything on a campus, right? The the last barrier was paying college athletes. I know. I know. It's like I, I know we we got sports gambling and and paying college athletes in like two years time. It's like this is great. Dude, what's happening? <laughs> the world's deteriorating. You know, next you couldn't even buy Nate a new Galaris beer when he played for the Badgers. You couldn't. You couldn't. No spotted cow. No spotted cow. Wink, no spotted cow. <laughs> I need um. 
so Eric, let's get into the, the, the storytelling segment uh, of the podcaster. Yeah. I know you've been waiting. Well, Nate and I DM before about, you know, growing up in the, uh, in Minnesota, his dad was the coach. Mike Tice was the coach when I was in high school, but I remember like we talk about the Moss days fondly as if the Vikings were like always good, but there was a season, I think, Oh, one Denny, Denny green was the, the coach. They were, there was the, the year that Corey Stringer died in training camp. And then they went like five and 10 Dennis green, who was always like Dennis green had like every single year was a winning year, but he had alienated ownership so badly that the first time they were bad, they fired him right away. Right away. And, and your dad who like is a, how many offensive line coaches get promoted to head coach? Over well, four not, days. I feel like that was like a very rare occurrence. I mean, it was like him and like uh, uh, Art Shell. Art Shell, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's probably about, I mean, really, that's it. Wow. I mean, yeah. there's my wife. So uh, watched, then, I mean, then then also I'm just trying to think who else. Like, uh, that's it. Callahan, but he yeah. was an OC, but he was an OC before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm watching. So I was, I watch random games on YouTube. I think they're hilarious. But I remember week 17 of 2001 which was supposed to be week two of 2001 yep. but was moved to week 17 because of 9 11 canceled yep. an entire week so it was this yep. weird it was the vikings ravens the ravens yep. were coached by brian billick who also coached your dad when he was at minnesota and the vikings were dante was injured yep todd bauman who played in the same conference in college as i did st cloud state injured yep. So the Vikings were starting something called Spurgeon, Spurgeon win during win. dad's first game. <laughs> yep. And the first pass play of the game was a reverse to Randy Moss who threw like an alley-oop to Chris Carter. That was how like little faith they had. But the Ravens were so bad. This was the Elvis Gerback year. Yep. And the Ravens needed to make the playoffs, needed a win to make the playoffs. But they Elvis Gerback was so bad that the Ravens, who this is important, were 10-point favorites – we're up 12 to three with probably like a minute or two left. And Al, you know, Al Michaels has got, he's, he's got something on the Ravens side. You know this. Yeah. And so the poor Spurgeon win has like a third and 10 drops back to pass, gets strip sacked. Jamie Sharper picks up the fumble, runs it in. And Al hit the, the change in inflection in his voice when he says, and this is a this is an important touchdown for my. I think Miami needed the Baltimore to lose, and he goes, "This is a, a very important touchdown for Miami, and an extremely important touchdown for a lot of people." <laughs> in a 19-3 random game, it was know, my quarterback yeah, it was Monday, by Spurgeon, coached Sunday by your night, dad. Right? I, yeah. I I never realized until we had worked with Al with NBC. Like I had no idea how big of a degenerate he was, and in that game, watching it back twenty years ago. It was like the most, it was the clearest uh, I've ever seen it happen uh, in hindsight. Isn't one of those things where you just don't realize the references. It's like me watching the Simpsons when I was a kid. And yes. it's like, oh yeah, I love it. I get that movie reference. I get that one. And now watching, I'm like, I didn't get 80% of the jokes. <laughs> like I didn't get anything, but that's the same thing. Al Michael, of course it's Al Michaels and Musburger was the same way too. He was going like, oh, my, my friends in the desert aren't happy about that one. <laughs> The difference, yeah, so, the difference was Musburger would also comment on like the wives and girlfriends of players. That, that's also he and, did do that. And Al's like a little like has figured it out. You know, he's like got a little more, <laughs> a little more, uh, uh, yeah, like a little more class to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wagering. No, I remember that game because it was either Sunday or Monday night game, so that makes sense. And yeah, it was a total nothing game for for the Vikings. And I remember they just made a huge deal about uh, Chris Hovan reading Alvis Gerbeck's hands when he took a snap. Yeah, yeah, that's like, right. Yep, they, they talked Gerbeck, about that in that game. Yeah, because Gerbeck had like he almost he honestly like three or four like botched snaps in that game, and it was like NFL quarterback, which I you see once a year maybe, and it's like he had like three in one game, and it was like they're like saying like how Hovian had a tell on it, so they just kept showing Gerbeck's hands like the entire game, yeah. and that's what I vividly remember for that one. Oh man, I, that, yeah, that game was so bad that I feel like if I if I could have like the controller was just too far away and I was working on something so I just I just kept letting it happen to me yeah. and then it got to the end and I'm like holy shit there was like there was a, a, a chunk of gold at the end of this game and I'm like great gambling reference that yeah. is awesome oh I, I love watching those old games especially uh, uh, watching listen to old Madden rants mm -hmm. I tweeted a couple of those but man. 
there were some that I was just like, I did. I wish this was around now because this is like, you guys did not appreciate this. <laughs> like, like people of 20 years older than me, it's like, man, this is, je- this is every Sunday. You guys got this. <laughs> Cause I would watch game after game. And I'm like, all right, who's on commentary for this? Oh man. All right, great. Maybe I'll fu- hear something funny. It's like every minute there's something funny. It's like, yeah. I couldn't post enough. Like I was like, I wish everybody would just watch those games just to listen to this guy. But uh, no, that, that O one game. Yeah. That was a little bittersweet because yeah, it was just, you know, the intern shit, like, okay, this is great. Yeah. And let's go out and they, yeah, I think he gave a great speech. That's my cat, Midge. Sorry. I think he gave a great speech for it. I think he wore a leather jacket for it, for that game too. Like, like a Classy. motorcycle jacket, I, maybe. Your he, dad had probably the best, like one of the best, cause you're, he was actually very good with the media. Like he was very funny and stuff. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked him why he wore black. And he said, well, if I wore purple, I'm six foot eight. If I wear purple, I look like Barney. That was self-awareness. Was probably one of the best. <laughs> he was self-aware to a fault, almost. Yeah. <laughs> he had he had well, he had the one where he talked about someone asked him straight up. And I, this is because this is what I thought was normal. I thought every head coach talked this way. So like talked how my dad did. So which is probably why I'm a media now. Yeah. Um, but it's like he was talking about he lost a bunch of weight. He lost like 30 pounds, which was like his summer tradition. He would lose 20 to 30 pounds, gain it all back during the season. But one of the reporters, I, it might have been Kevin Seifer, someone was just like, Hey, so what was your, what was your trick? Like, what'd you do? And he goes, well, you know, my wife, Diane makes a lot of, a lot of like makes these great meatballs. But the thing is I eat until I'm sick. And my diet was, I just stopped eating until I was sick. And he said that <laughs> in like a national press conference. And it's just like, and at the time my mom was, you know, busting my dad's balls. Like you had to say that, like, why are you doing that to yourself? He's like, it's funny. It's funny. And then looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, dad. What are you doing, man? I I legitimately have that. I can commiserate with that. Like there are certain foods that I could, I just eat till I'm sick. And the only limiting factor is like when it runs out. Yep. That's exactly how it, well, it's the, the, the popcorn test with like psychology. It's like, if no matter how big it is, people still eat it. Yeah. I'm kind of like that with every food though. Like I knew it got bad when people started asking me when I lived in Atlanta, when, uh, they, it used to be, Oh, did you play quarterback? Oh, or did you play receiver? Did you play tight end? Like, okay, I got that. And then when I was in Atlanta and I gained about 40 pounds at that time, all some people go, did you play tackle? Were you a left tackle? And that's, I was like, all right, time to go on a diet. <laughs> time to, we're doing cardio every day for the next two years, man. There's no way. But that's, that's when I knew I hit a diet was when people started going, were you a left tackle guard guard? I was like, Oh no, no. I was a quarterback. <laughs> oh man. That is incredible. Um, yeah. I want uh last question I have for you is, um, when uh, in backing up Russ Wilson, did you know he was going to be the corniest quarterback in the NFL? He, when he came into Wisconsin, so we, we had some good like freshman rituals. We didn't haze at Wisconsin, but it was more like, hey, freshman, you have to keep your shirt tucked in. Like, mm-hmm. hey, freshman, you can't sit on the couches in the locker room. Freshman, you can't walk on the W. Just focus rules, you know. No one really, like, we didn't do much. But Russ came in and he had his shirt tucked in. And like when we were working out, like he always had his shirt tucked in. And we're like, hey, dude, you're, you're not a freshman. You're a transfer. And he was like, no, that, this is what I do. And I was just kind of – and Russ is great. Like, you know, he has his persona. Yeah. But like Russ, yeah, yeah. Russ is funny. Like Russ can actually be very funny. And I was just kind of like, okay, all right, that's just kind of what he does. And sure enough, that's what he did. He had his shirt tucked in with everything. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I saw him dance one time. <laughs> And then I was like, I was like, oh man, you're cornier than I am. I'm a, you know, I'm a white dude from Minnesota. Like, you know, uh, but, but it was like that. I, I first, I thought you were going to ask, when did you know he was going to be the starter? And I was going to say two plays when I was like, <laughs> he, he scrammed, he broke, he, it was seven on seven. I could tell you it was seven on seven. He scrambled out of the pocket. He did like a live drill in seven on seven, which I've never seen anyone do, but he wanted the guys to practice the scramble drill. And he threw one about 45 yards to a corner, like perfect, like corner yeah. out to Jared Aberderis. And I remember just being like, okay, he's got it. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, that, that I'm, I'm good. Signals. I got the signals. I'm good. Yeah, but that, <laughs> that's basically what it was. But uh, curious wise, it was shirt tucked in day one. If I asked, if I asked, you know, when you knew he was going to be a starter, I wouldn't have gotten the corny question. The corny yeah, exactly. Right? You know, I yeah, got two, two for one special. Um, <laughs> it's uh, he it only continues to amaze me. Um, we close out every single podcast with this, which is a recommendation from our guest. I'm really excited to hear yours because you've dropped a massive amount of knowledge already it's been an awesome conversation give us a recommendation 
recommendation for anything? It can be I'll, anything. Like I give restaurants, okay. I, we give podcasts. It doesn't matter. $500 you know, clones. <laughs> a question I get, cause I'm a big board game guy is okay. kind of what, especially when pandemic hit and people were like with their significant others and they needed something to do yeah. uh, a game that's fun with two people, three people, four people, five people. And this, this is one of my favorite games and it's a game called Carcassonne. And I can't recommend this game enough. Hmm. It's an older game uh, in the board game world. There's kind of like three or four games that are considered like the new classics, like the new monopolies of the mm-hmm. world. And that's Catan, which everyone's heard mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. The other one's Ticket to Ride, which is like a train game, which I also recommend, especially for families. It, it's a great game. Um, and another newer one, uh, another one's called uh, actually called Pandemic, which is a co-op game. And this last one is called Carcassonne. And mm-hmm it's kind of a unique game. You put tiles down and you only get one tile at a time. You get these things called meeples and you get a certain amount and that's how you get points based on that. It's actually a fairly, very simple game to learn. It's just a little unique how the mechanics mm-hmm. are, but once mm-hmm. you get it, it's like pretty easy. And there's like two, there's a bunch of expansions for it, but there's a couple cheap, or, and it's a cheap game too, which I like and it's portable. It kind of does everything. It's great with two people. It can be very cutthroat. You can have fun with it. You can make it like friendly. It. Yeah, and it's like- How it, do you it's spell just a, that? Uh, C-A-R-C-A-S-S-O-N-N-E, I think. Okay. My sister was the English major. I'm, uh, I'm just going to start typing C-A-R and then like random C-A-R-C-A-S-S-O-N-N-E. letters. C-A-R-C-A-S-S-O-N-N-E. But I, I can't recommend that game enough. Uh, there's an app for it. That's great. And cool. then there's also, you know, there's a couple of simple expansions for them called Traders. Uh, uh, I think it's Traders and Builders and there's another one. But uh, there's two of them that make the game even more complete. And it's it, like, I just can't emphasize enough it's simple but deep which i always love you know like just a game that takes five minutes to learn but then you just keep playing it and more strategies kind of unlock as you play it more and more and you're like oh i can do that and you're like yeah yeah you can get a little tricky with that yeah so carcassonne highly recommend it one of my favorite games and uh yeah two thumbs up that this podcast also two thumbs up nate uh, we really appreciate it. You battled through internet issues. Um, you were super generous with your time. We've been meaning to do this for a while. This will not be, we will not have as long a hiatus between this one and the next one as we did to get you on here. Uh, you can go check out Nate and all his great work, uh, obviously on Twitter at underscore Tice and at The Athletic with The Athletic Football Show. Cannot recommend that enough. Nate, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, special thank you to Nate Tice for being so generous with his time. He battled through multiple internet breakups and still we had an awesome conversation. So you should go check out Nate if you have not already at Nate underscore Tice. Uh, Go listen to his podcast, the Athletic Football Podcast. If you don't already, uh, he creates great content both for free and on The Athletic as part of their um, subscription package. So go check him out. Thank you to him. We'll be back on Wednesday with more. Thank you guys for hanging out. Love you. Peace.